0: Continue this uh, Galatians story. Um, oh, yeah, that one. If you ever want to know more what's going on, there's your text. Like It's like a text group blast type thing. It's not personally from Andy or personally from Nisha or Ryan. It's a text group that we all use. Um, so you may get something for different things. But if you want to know for the general idea of what's happening, text loop to that number, and you can find out the things I just told you. What's up, buddy? So, uh let's jump into this. We got a little bit of time here. Not too much, not too little. That's good. So, I get to do a monster teaching on four verses. Let's go. See, I'm the opposite of Ryan. Just kidding. We're we're just we're different. <laughs> So just in case uh, you didn't know, we're going through the letter that Paul wrote in Galatians. It's uh, sent to the Galatian people, basically modern-day Turkey. He had previously went to them and did some missionary journeys, started this whole church. They're on fire. It's a group of churches. They gave up their pagan kind of rituals, and they shifted to following the way of Jesus, right? That's kind of what Paul did throughout all of this area, and he would write letters back to these churches along the journey as he heard what was going on there. Good testimonies and rough testimonies, as we would see um, here. So Paul is the you know, famously super smart guy, the theology guy. He was a Pharisee. He was also a Roman citizen. He was very smart. He was very good uh, debater and orator and all those things. So If you haven't heard about Paul, that's who he is. He wasn't a Roman soldier or anything like that. He was a Roman citizen, and he was fully a Jewish man from, like, every—his feet to his head. That was who he was, okay? We'll get into more of that, but just so the context— what happened was these intruders, a few years after Paul went along, these intruders from Jerusalem— Jewish Christians from kind of the main where everything started and all the apostles there kind of were sneaking in. And because of some political pressures, some religious pressures, were saying to these new believers, hey, I just what Paul gave you is like really kind of like a partial, it's not the real gospel, there's more to it. And one of those things that's more to it is you've got to follow these Jewish customs, you've got to get circumcised so that you could really be part of the family One and could really enter into the true salvation. So they're not only like kind of pushing down things that Jesus stood for, they're lifting up a little bit more, going back towards the Torah and the ancestral stuff that Paul was definitely part of back before he became Paul. So they did it because they felt like the Romans would overlook this weird little movement a little bit by having to be part of the Jewish movement. There was an exemption. You could worship whatever religious thing you wanted after you were conquered by Rome, but as long as you said, you know, Caesar is Lord type thing. So when we said Jesus is Lord, that was a little screwy. So they're like, stop saying that. Start saying like, okay, Jesus, cool. But also follow these, get in with the Jewish exemption. It's kind of like, I got in with their tax exemption. That's good. I came under the radar. It's kind of like that. And so these intruders are really stirring it up. And honestly, these Galatian people, I, you know, we don't know exactly what made them susceptible to that, that word, but just like you and me, it's not written to us, but just like you and me, we all struggle with unruly grace and wild grace. When we get told you don't have to do anything to deserve this grace from Jesus, that goes like, Wait, shouldn't I do a behavior? Shouldn't I do some steps? Shouldn't I do this? And when I start following that, just like the Galatians start following Jesus, they kind of get kicked out of their previous lives, their pagan temples. They're like, you're not welcome here anymore. You're following Jesus. And they don't really want to go there, but they lost that connection. They're floating out there. And then they, they can't really go to the synagogues because obviously they're Gentiles and they're not really welcome there either. And they're like looking for some moral codes to follow because this is hard. This grace thing is tough. What should I do? Man, the Jewish Torah, the Mosaic law has a lot of things I could do. Mm -mm -mm. And I think, and there's some stuff in there too, to see that there was some susceptibility just like any human being to be like unruly grace, really hard to deal with. You know, black and white, do's and don'ts, will and won'ts. That's pretty easy. I'll jump into that. That's the law. And so they were very susceptible, just like a human being would be. Shame wants to suck in. Sin wants to come in. And now Paul hears about, you've turned away. And he says, I'm astounded by you turning away from the one true gospel, the one I gave you. You're changing it. I'm astounded. And so he's amped up because Paul is that kind of man. He's fired up. He has zeal. But let's find out how he got there, all right? So this is Saul and Paul. Not two guys, same guy, but a transformation and a but God right in the middle, okay? We're going to jump in. Galatians 1:13. All this has happened. He said all the things. I'm astounded you turned away, blah, 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 okay? So he's about to enter into his own autobiography for the sake of this rebuke this redirect this restoration for these people in a letter i would love to get a rebuke letter that would be great i know that must have been rough (laughs) but it wasn't written to me so i'm good right yeah wait a minute oh crap i you can't turn it that way first thing get out of the context here i love this part you heard, didn't you? First, like, that's what I got. You have heard. You heard, didn't you? Different ways are saying it. The way I behaved when I was still within Judaism. He starts the whole thing. He's like, you've heard what I was like, right? And some people are like, no. So he's going to, goes on to tell it, but I'm going to tell you a little bit too. All right. So you could be like a Galatian person, though it's not written to you. Well, I haven't heard. Tell me more, Paul i persecuted the church of god violently and ravaged it so let's picture a little boy in uh you know middle east he's young he's sitting with his dad his mom and they're telling him like he's young he's like four he's five and they're telling him about the god Adonai, the one who pulled his people out of Egypt, led them through the wilderness to the promised land. Picture a little boy hearing this this hero, the the God of the the largeness and hearing about Abraham and all the descendants in the sky and hearing about Isaac and Jacob and everything that was walked through and this whole exodus in this promised land. There's so many things. He's hearing all the stories. He's hearing all all of what we would see in the Old Testament. He starts hearing about the prophets. He's a little kid. And these prophets are like the ones who are like, because I was so zealous for the Lord, I slayed these, th- these people and I did this. And he's hearing about all of those, the prophets, the stories, the Old Testament. He hears about things in Isaiah where it talks about the Messiah who's coming. And he's like, aunt, oh yeah. He hears that God says, I'll do what I promised. He believes all of that throughout what's in the Torah, the Mosaic law, he believes it all. And a zeal, a passion is birthed in him for the God Adonai and all that the Torah kind of represents to him. And he follows that path as he grows up. He becomes the best student in the best school with the best teachers and he studies more and more and more and harder and harder, The zeal and passion. And he starts believing, I'm much like those prophets of old. I will stand against anything that's going to uh, break the purity of the Jewish people, break the purity of the Torah. So any adherence that was like, oh, we, we won't do this part of the Torah, we won't this part, he's like, no, we do every single part and anything that's added and we follow the Mosaic law to its farthest point. This young boy believing in Adonai, excited about this huge king. So we have to remember Paul in the ancestry of his people with his dad, with his mom or whoever, the grandparents telling the stories. This is all oral for the most part. Telling the stories. This is what happened. This is who he is. He does what he promises. That's what's spoken to him. And he grabs a hold of it with everything he got, and then he takes, he takes it as far as he can go within that revelation. That's that little revelation of what he's seen and heard through the Mosaic Law and the Torah. All right. Now he's gone to school, he's come out of that, and he feels like there is some people blowing up the purity of that adherence by following Jesus. They can't say that Jesus was hung on the cross. That's like the curse. Like, how could he be the, the Messiah? No Messiah would be hung on the cross. This is silly. He can't say that he would somehow be the son of God. That is not how it looked. This is not what the we thought the reading of the Torah says. Though they believed in a Messiah, this is not the Messiah I believed in. So anybody that's following that, they need to get taken care of quickly and with force. So Saul jumps into the, he goes, and if we go over to Acts briefly, we hear the story about Stephen, the first martyr, preaching all those things before these religious leaders. Jesus is the Messiah. He did hang on the cross. He did rise from the tomb. He's the resurrected one. He's the fullness of God and the fullness of the son, all in one. The Holy Spirit's with him. It's actually in me right now. And they freak out and they're not allowed to execute people. The Romans can do that, but they freak out anyways, and they take him out to a field, and we jump in here. They yelled at him at the tops of their lungs. They are so angry that he would say these things. They blocked their ears. They, they ripped him out of there, and they bundled him up out of the city, and they stoned him. The witnesses laid their cloaks at the feet of the young man, Saul, who's there witnessing it, and they stoned Stephen. And Stephen, mirroring, and I believe, using some of the same words that Jesus said on the cross. He said, receive my spirit. And then he knelt there at the top of his voice and said, Lord, don't let this sin stand against them. And then he fell dead. And it says Saul was right there, giving consent to the death of Stephen. So we jump a little bit further and we're still in Acts, just another account of the same account that Paul said later on. He says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out threats and murder to the Lord's disciples. And many of you may know this kind of journey of transformation that Saul goes to Paul, but let's try to come at it with some new eyes, though there's nothing new in this, but some fresh view of it, like a perspective that kind of shifts. Saul, Saul, as he's going to Damascus, Saul, Saul, this voice says, why are you persecuting me? He hears this, just, and he says, "Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus." He said, "And you are persecuting me. But get up and go into the city, and I, and I will be, and you will be told where you should go, what you should do next." I love that kind of "but God" moment, right? And we're gonna, we're sort of in the midst of it but God did this, but God started me along this journey. You had heard how I was, but then God did this. And what's the, but God did this moment. He hears Jesus. He hears or sees Jesus. He gets a revelation of Jesus and all of his history of the Torah, all of his history of study, all of that. In one moment, he's like, I've read it all wrong. And at the same moment, this is everything I dream for. That's Paul in that moment. Yes, he was part of this murder of Stephen and, and he was trying to get these guys to go to jail. He's on the road to Damascus to get round up more people. But in that moment, as he saw Jesus, and as we continue in this story, everything that he had dreamed for in Adonai, the one who promised and will do what he promised, sending his son here, he saw it in Jesus. He began to experience it in Jesus. We'll jump down. This is him telling his autobiography. This is another part of it where Luke tells the story, but it's basically the same pieces. So he goes into the city, he's praying, he's blind, this whole thing, he can't do a thing, and he's just waiting. He's just waiting because he was told to wait by this Jesus And Jesus says, this man in the city named Ananias, he's going to come lay hands on you. And Ananias is hearing from the Lord and he says, well, Lord, I've heard about this man from several people. (laughs) Just like maybe you have heard, that's the same you have heard all about how he's doing wicked things to the holy people in Jerusalem. And now he's here with the authority from the chief priest to tie everybody up. That's why he came. And you want me to go there? And the Lord says, just go. He is a chosen vessel for me to carry my name before the nations and kings, the children of Israel too. And I'll show him what his life's going to look like, is a paraphrase. I'm going to show him what it's going to look like to follow me, trust me. So Ananias goes, goes to the house, lays hands on him, and I love the first thing he says, Brother Saul. He says, Brother Saul. Every Jesus follower that followed Jesus and through the acts of the apostles in that f- explosion of the church, they began to capture this picture of family. Not through Mosaic law like the Jewish, like you were part of it if you did these things. They were capturing this new humanity, which Paul is actually gonna talk about later in Galatians. So that's like a teaser further. No longer Greek, no longer slave, all one in Christ, that kind of thing. But he he hears from the guy who's supposed to be like freaked out by him. Hey, brother Paul. He calls him to something that is gonna be, is the reality for everybody else that follows Jesus, brother, sister in Christ, one body. And he calls them to that. It's so cool. Side note. And the Lord has sent me. Yes, Jesus, the one who appeared to you on the road is come as you were coming here so that you may be able to see again and receive my Holy Spirit. And these scales, something like scales fell off his eyes and he was able to see. He got up and was baptized. He had something to eat and regained his strength. That moment right there. Do you think at any point he decided I'm gonna stop believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob along that conversion moment? No, rhetorical question. He never once stopped believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not a fight between the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Jesus. It's the fulfillment of everything that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the Mosaic law and all the prophets spoke to was Jesus. All of a sudden, all of his dreams for the Messiah, all of his dreams, all of his seal to Oppress those who are following Jesus. All his zeal to silence those who follow Jesus is beginning to turn. And what's the first thing? One of the first things it says he does, and this is in Acts' account right here. And it says he made sure he was right. He called a couple mentors. He checked his old journals. He checked his social media accounts. He went back to Jerusalem real quick to make sure, hey, is this good, guys? He did all these crazy things about what other people thought, right? No, he didn't do any of that. He went from being the zealous silencer to the zealous proclaimer. He goes to the synagogue and he simply says, Jesus is Lord, this is him, this is he. Jesus is, this is it. And you hear that little boy right here, hearing the stories, the Messiah is gonna come. You hear that little boy, dad, dad, now all the stars in the sky and the descendants, it says all the people and the promises of God leading us to the promised land, those are all true. And the dad's like, yes, those are all true. Imagine that little boy hearing that moment, all the studies, all the failure and sin and violence and rage that he had encountered and done against the church and the people of God that were following Jesus. He hears one voice and he sees one face, And all of his dreams for that Messiah come to fruition. Same zeal that he had to go, I'm going to kill everybody. I'm going to stop the, just like the prophets of old, I'm going to cut them down with my sword. That zeal goes and transforms from the oppressor to the side, the oppressor, the silencer to the protector and the proclaimer. That's him in that moment. So, Quick, that's the quickest version of that I could do, okay? We're back to Galatians, all right? Side trail. He's saying the story to them. You may have heard that story that I just told you. The way I behaved. I persecuted the church of God violently. I was well advanced in Judaism beyond many of my own age and people. I was extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by grace, was pleased to unveil his son to me so that I might announce the good news about him to the nations, I did not go immediately to confer with flesh and blood. I did not go to Jerusalem to go make sure I'm in line with everything. In fact, he actually went out to Arabia, which is a weird little side story, but I might throw it in there, like where Mount Sinai was. And there's a lot of imagery that goes in with this, but in a lot of ways, he pictured himself like the prophet Elijah, like the prophets of old, picking up a commission from Adonai, God. And the symbolism of going to Arabia and Mount Sinai was a lot like I'm laying down my old commission and I'm picking up a new commission. And it says he went back to Damascus after some time. There's a little bit like, where, what, where did he go when? It's not necessarily the huge point exactly how and long he went to the different things. It's what he believed that he was a part of. That's what mattered, what he believed. We can't really get in his head and be like armchair psychoanalysts and that sort of thing. But what did he say? This is what I believed. I did not go to Jerusalem for those apostles before me. I went to Arabia And then I returned back to Damascus. He just saw Jesus. So he stopped speaking zeal for the adherence to the Torah. He stopped fighting for the strict adherence to all the steps of Mosaic law. And he simply points people to Jesus and says, this is the revealed King. This is the revealed one. All of that stuff we've talked about, it's him. So let's talk about revelation or this word reveal. I got a funny story for you. It may not make sense. Let's try it. (laughs) So I'm working and building a house with my parents. And it's like, house is like, it's 900 square feet. But it's got vaulted ceilings, so it feels massive. And so we're, we're building this little thing for my parents who are retiring, and it's taken like two years, and we do it really slow because we work on the nights and the weekends, me and my brothers. We're doing the electrical ourselves, totally safe if you're the owner, apparently. And uh, my dad's doing a lot of electrical. I'm doing electrical. And the way it works is you do all the electrical, and then you put the drywall over it, right? You test it all out, and you put the drywall over it. We tested it all out, everything worked, and we put the drywall over it. And we came back, actually I think this might have been a few days ago, and we're testing out the outlets, kind of a wall about like this. And I got an outlet there, and I got an outlet there, where Ryan is at and one where John's at. Raise your hand, John. That's about how far apart they are. Okay, there we go. (laughs) There's two Johns over there, that's awesome. And this outlet's got power, and that outlet doesn't have anything. In fact, it's tripping the circuit, like something's shorting it out. And we're like, oh, no, we shot a nail through it. But it's all sealed up. It's completely sealed up. And I'm like, no, I hate doing drywall. I don't want to texture this thing. I don't want anything to do with this. And so I'm like, what if I just make a little bit of bigger hole, and I'll shove my arm up where the outlet was, and I'll... And I start doing that on one side, and I'm like, wait, maybe it's on this side. And I'm like, okay, I could do a little hole above that one and see if something, so I do another hole, and I'm making, I'm starting to make holes. Like, you know? And it's still nothing we do. It's like, chick, chick. It works, all the other outlets on the other side work. All the, it, it's just this little string and this one spot. Everything else is in line. We're doing all the things we know we're supposed to do. You know, the black and the white go with whatever, and we kind of know we kind of know and the, and the ground goes to whatever we, we kind of know what we're doing trust it's, it's not that bad. but we did all the things we know what to do we actually had the inspector come out he said looks great so just letting you know we're legit he says it looks great we did everything to the t exactly And my dad went back through it and he did everything to the T from there to there. There's a wire that goes through there. And we're like staring at it, staring at it. And we're like, you know what? Maybe we have a picture of that wall before we put the drywall up. We got got to find out where that wire goes so we can rip it out. Cause that's the problem. We got to rip that out. We did everything right. We're totally fine. It did everything right. So we look for our pictures in our phone, which is fortunate we had one. And as I'm zooming in with my brother, Eric, yesterday, we're looking at it, and we're like, "Eh, what's that? And we're like, what is that? About where Corey's at. Would you raise your hand, Corey? Okay, Ryan over here, right over here, and I'm looking real close, I'm like, I think that's another outlet behind the wall. What? And my dad's like, wait a minute, what? The drywall had covered up one of our outlets completely, so it wasn't hooked up, and it was just shorting all inside there, and... And this one was good. This one was good, but in between them was bad. Revelation is an interesting thing, okay? We needed a picture. We needed it to be revealed to us. We did everything right. We did everything perfect from there to there. And we missed the whole picture. The entire picture, we missed it. It never would have connected. It never would have worked. It would always lead to fire. Or or damage and demolition by Andy, like, here, 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 here. Punch a hole, punch a hole. See, Paul, this is not like a fight between the Old Testament and the New Testament and and, uh, the God Adonai, this God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus, Jesus is the reveal of this God in fullness, in form. He's the reveal. He's the peel back. That's the connection point. Everything going through that will work. Everything going around it won't. All the Mosaic law, yeah, all right. All the things that Paul had fought for, you know, like the do's and don'ts and the will and the won'ts, all those things were close but that closeness would never have made the connection to be in the family of God, to be saved, to be free. And what that outlet represented in Jesus, the revealed Christ was a gospel of grace, good news. And he says that, that's what I was told I gotta do. It was his grace and pleased in me that I might announce the good news. So why would he be so fired up at these intruders coming in to be continued? Like that's really the rest of Galatians. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. Like if I go too far, it's just gonna be the rest of Galatians. But it's because of this autobiography, this story, this testimony that he experienced with Jesus that he saw the failings, the bankruptcy of all those steps that I know it's right, it's right, it's right, it's right. And maybe there's some good things in there. I shouldn't do this. The Mosaic laws don't do this and don't do this. And maybe there's some really great things in there. Through seeing Jesus revealed, Paul knew the depths of his being, in his being, how thoroughly bankrupt the effort to attain salvation through the works of the law had been and that grace had made a way for everyone to be part of this family, free and alive. So why does this short little account mean so much right here? The conversion of Paul was a conversion. I think transformation is a better word. He's transformed. We have to have within our theology some idea that Jesus is the God, is the one that transforms us but it's not like he's just making something up all of a sudden. Here's my friend Thomas, he's whatever, 30 something, right? And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna figure you out right now, from here on out, figure out. No, from his mother's womb, Jesus knows who Thomas is and knows who he can be and knows what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are and loves him before all the stuff he's gonna do. He knows him from his mother's womb. So the transformation isn't to some like, oh yeah, this is, none of the ingredients are here. It's no good, you know, and stuff. The transformation is back to your original identity in Christ. So let's just say Paul's transformation from Saul to Paul, going back to my mother's womb, he saw me, is what he says. Paul's convinced of this. He set me apart way back then. Even when I was a little kid believing in Adonai, he set me apart. Even those pieces that I thought were the only thing, those weren't all terrible. Those weren't all the worst. I just missed a big piece, Jesus. You may be in that spot. You can be like, I've got it. I've done it all. i am in doing the things and it's okay. You missed a big piece, Jesus. That's what Paul's wanting to say to the Galatians. Don't go away from that big piece. The whole context for this is Jesus. Everything centers on Jesus revealed for our enemies, the ones real and perceived. If you have a list and you've got your newsfeed and you're like, enemy of the faith, enemy of the faith, enemy of the faith, and you got this whole list, kind of been really like, yeah, God will get him. Forgetting little boy, enemy of the faith right here, little daughter, formed innocent mother's womb, ready to do something and connect with Jesus, made to be connecting with Jesus, that that transformation possibility is still there in every human being. It never went away because it wasn't just out of the blue, it was there from the beginning. And that's what the Paul story is trying to get us to. So if you got your list of enemies, okay, all right, you know, let's just turn that and do what Stephen said. I'm getting stoned, don't hold this sin against them. Don't hold this sin against him. Just like Jesus said, don't hold this against him. And you know what? Jesus answered Stephen's prayer. Did he hold his sins of Paul against him and say, I'll never show myself to you? You know what? You'll have to work for it. He randomly met him, randomly met him on Damascus Road. He didn't hold it against him what he had done. Nor were he our enemies for our families, for our cities, for us, the same thing. He is the author of life. He knows us before we knew him. Hear these words. He loves us before we screw up and after. He doesn't hold our sins over our head in some manipulation to change our behavior. And that's what Paul is trying to say. Don't go to behavior changing. Come through the gate of grace and it's unruly. It's hard to understand, but Jesus will be there with you. He was always looking for ways to reveal these things to us and show us that there's nothing we can do to earn this love and acceptance. If there's anything of Paul's story, that's it right there. Paul's like, I did all the things and I still didn't earn the acceptance until I saw Jesus and he gave me acceptance. But here's the trouble. There's another author out there. It's like a false author. Sin and brokenness just kind of gave place for it. And this false author, as compared to the author of life, who knows our identity because he made it in us, that false author of shame wants to find every one of your moments, every one of my moments that were terrible. Maybe pain or trauma done to me or pain or trauma I've caused. Sins I've committed against myself and the people around me. Brokenness that's just in my family, just carrying on, whatever it may be, this dark place, that author wants to come in, just like the author of life is the perfecter of our faith, is Jesus. Hey, I'm gonna write you, write through the story of grace to you. This one comes in and says, I'm gonna change your identity based on your worst. I'm gonna write it on you. And you know, the only way you're gonna get out of this to get that shame lifted off and that terrible feeling is you're gonna figure out all the behavior techniques that you gotta to do to change. I'm gonna help you, I'll help you along the way. This false author I hope you figure it out. I'll give you a list of do's and don'ts and wills and won'ts. I'll make it real black and white for you because that grace thing is really wild. <sighs> I don't think you want to do that. We only gonna you're only gonna find this is the the false author saying this. You're only gonna find acceptance through correct behavior. And now you get why Paul was kind of fired up. Could I have the worship team come back up? So as they're coming up, my dad said this the other day. And uh, if you've read through parts of Acts of the Apostles, there's this phrase that said, um, and more and more believed and more and more began to follow and they were added to their number every day. So in spite of the the false author shame, in spite of all of the, the law and all these different things, no argument was more persuasive to draw people than Jesus revealed. The grace through Jesus was the only thing that led people. So against all odds, even today, there's people around you, there's people in the city, there's people across the world that are seeing a picture of Jesus in the midst of whatever their journey is with acceptance and brokenness and behavior and shame, all those different things. They are still choosing to follow Jesus. Why would they do that? Why would we do that? Why throughout the the New Testament as this, why would Paul, he had nothing to gain, He was the top of the list over here. He lost all his power. Against all odds, people are still choosing to follow this revealed Jesus when he shows himself because it's good news to our souls. Because it's grace, a breath of free, wide open space where we've been hemmed in by religion, where we've been pushed together by the do's and the don'ts, the wills and the won'ts, all that craziness. And we're all torn up, all riled up. And he says, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna write the story of my grace upon you if you just follow me, if you just choose to follow me. That's the beginnings of Galatians and it gets good. Okay, so stay with us along this journey. Nisha's going to lead us in worship. But I want to invite you as we're going to stand together. Stand together if you'd like or you can. All right. And we sing these songs because they're aligning ourselves with the truth about a grace that's been given to us. We sing these songs because they're igniting something in us that helps push back and rewrite those false self-author stories that shame wants to say, like, why are you here in this midst? You know you screwed up, and those people, they're great. They're perfect. We sing these songs so we collectively, as one body in Christ, get to push back on that. So take a few moments, maybe before you even start singing, let Nisha begin to sing over us and just experience the dream coming true of the Messiah who's come. That's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same that was for Paul, same for the Galatians people, same for those enemies or our family or the city. He is Jesus revealed. He wants to show himself. Thank you, Jesus, for talking to us this morning.